Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Tony Chan Carusona, Chief Technology Officer of AlphaWave Semi. Tony has been a professor of electrical and computer engineering at the University of Toronto since 2001 and has served as a distinguished lecturer for IEEE Solid State Circuit Society and on the technical program committees of the world's leading circuits conference. He co-authored the classic textbooks, Analog Integrated Circuit Design and Microelectronic Circuits, and he is an IEEE fellow. Tony has also been a consultant to the semiconductor industry for over 20 years, working on both startups and some of the largest technology companies around the world. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. First, I wanted to ask you, um, what brought you to semiconductors? Well, I've, I've always loved applied math since I was young, actually. And it was a good fit then for me to start studying electrical engineering. Uh, I really took to the field uh, my undergraduate studies. But as I was working through the studies, doing internships, um, the course in my university degree, I started recognizing increasingly that hardware is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of the topics I was really most interested in, things like signal processing, and control systems, and communication. And that at that time, increasingly, hardware was being integrated in a chips. And so um, I just realized that if I really wanted to have an impact with my work and not just work on a blackboard. I really had to get in there and see how some of this math translated into hardware. So then in my grad studies, that's when I started focusing on the semiconductor industry and uh, have just been passionate about it ever since. Great. And what brought you to AlphaWave Semi? Well, AlphaWave's a great story, really. It's, it's founded by people I've known and worked with for over two decades. We actually went, went through school together uh, and I worked with them in a variety of roles over the years. But of course, as you mentioned in the bio, I've been a researcher at the University of Toronto for quite some time. And through the, the course of over two decades, I've been researching connectivity, semiconductor solutions the whole time. Uh, and so after AlphaWave had its IPO, uh, my colleagues right around that time got back in touch with me and told me about their big plans to build an industry leader in connectivity and, and doing so right in my backyard um, with people that I've known and worked with for decades and the opportunity to really move that mission forward, accelerate it as chief technology officer. It was just a, too good an opportunity to pass up. Yeah, excellent. So the Chiplet Summit is coming up and you're a speaker. I mean, this is a conference I attend and so it'll be great to meet you. Uh, but let's talk about chiplets. So why is there so much interest in chiplets right now? Well, there's been tremendous acceleration in the emergence of the chiplet ecosystem recently for a number of reasons. First of all, as we're moving to more and more advanced nodes, we see very high capital costs associated with building these new fabs. These are some of the most advanced physics facilities in the world, really, costing famously billions of dollars to Put one together. So that's causing a slowing of Moore's law advancement. It's just, just, it just requires more and more capital investment to move on to that next node. That's giving the industry more and more time to think of other creative ways to continue to increase performance 
and value for users without slow, solely relying on the advancement of process technologies. Then once those fabs are built and they are continuing to be rolled out in more advanced nodes, however, there's increasingly high development costs and mass costs in those most advanced nodes. So again, there's incentives there to look for other ways to um, improve performance, offer more functionality. And then combination with all those factors, you're just pouring gasoline on it now as we see exploding demand for compute uh, due largely to the emergence of AI where existing monolithic silicon architectures are hitting limits of performance and power consumption. And those are limits that, that chiplets are uniquely positioned to address. And partly because of the combination of all these factors, you're seeing that the emergence of this chiplet ecosystem is being viewed as a very strategic area by both industry and government. So you're seeing a lot of strategic investment pour in here, again, just fueling that progress. So you know, put all these ingredients together, you've got a recipe where chiplets are really poised to um, really have a huge impact in the coming five years. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, what are the fundamental benefits offered by designing a system based on chiplets rather than the full integration of all IP into the most advanced CMOS technologies? Well, there's a number of benefits to this emerging chiplet design paradigm. First of all, it enables a faster time to market, uh, especially when you're talking about launching a whole product line with many variants uh, for compute, for example, with different memory options, different connectivity options, different number of compute cores. You can come out with all these variants in a leg, you know, using a Lego block of chiplets um, way quicker than you could if you had to design a monolithic version of every one of these variants. In fact, the R&D costs and mass costs associated with such a rich product line might just be prohibitive for a lot of people. Um, secondly, you can reduce the design risk by using chiplet IP and designs that have already been pre-validated. So, you know, someone that wants to put together a new system with some unique combination of compute, memory, connectivity, they can focus only on those tiles where they're introducing innovation. And for the rest of the system, they can rely on pre-validated chiplet IP or designs and, and be confident that they're gonna arrive at a system that works first time. Also, you can lower the cost of the overall system because by relying on multiple smaller dies rather than fewer very large dies, you can get improved yield. And also you can combine mix and, max, mix and match technologies from different nodes for different parts of the system. So for example, for that high performance compute where the system really benefits most from using the most advanced CMOS logic, you can use the most advanced technology there. Whereas for other parts of the system, like the connectivity, you can use maybe an N minus one, a one or two generations older technology and benefit from lower die costs offered by that older technology. And then finally, in some applications where you just absolutely want as many gates as possible integrated into a package as you can, the ability to use multiple chiplets lets you go beyond the radical limit of monolithically integrated designs. Um, so you can just have a higher performance system in a package, assuming of course you can connect all those tiles together seamlessly and with very high bandwidth.
you know, we've, we've heard exciting chiplet-based developments from the big players in the industry. But what's been holding back the adoption of chiplets by the wider community? So this is an area where AlphaWave's really invested heavily to enable and then benefit from what we see as a coming democratization of the chiplet ecosystem. This is really key. Everyone now, I think, there's a lot of groundswell behind viewing this as really, really key. It lowers the barrier to innovation to more players. Even for the big players, it can lower the overall cost structure by having more people contribute to the chiplet ecosystem um, and really is going to allow the industry to unleash the full benefit that chiplets can offer in a variety of applications. So until now, chiplets have faced a number of challenges. First of all, chiplets rely on advanced packaging technology and capacity for that advanced packaging has been limited and it, the, the supply chain is scattered among different flavors of advanced packaging. As a result, the demand has really outstripped the supply of that kind of packaging capacity. Um, also, if you're breaking into this area, developing a new product, generally you're gonna need to do some prototyping and there's been limited ability to prototype chiplet systems. Today, foundries like industry leaders like TSMC own most of the chiplet production, but increasingly we're seeing OSATs invest and prepare to start to contribute in this area. And I think that's gonna help alleviate some of these bottlenecks. Um, at the same time, because it's been identified as such a strategic area, you see major investments from both industry and government to expand the supply chain here. Another thing that's been holding back the chiplet ecosystem is a lack of agreed upon and mature standards. So this is an area where we've seen a lot of progress in the last year or two. Specifically, we now see widespread adoption and a maturation of HBM and UCIE as connectivity standards between chiplets uh, for memory, between compute and connectivity tiles. Uh, and so that's gonna really allow people to uh, confidently move forward with chiplet-based designs. We also need to see a maturation of EDA tools um, and flows to allow for a robust integration of chiplet designs. Uh, and again, here you're seeing increasing effort by industry leaders to, to fill this gap. And then finally, I think the industry needs to evolve new business models to accommodate licensing, ownership of chiplets and how all that's gonna work. So I think we're, we're at a stage now where again, there's just so much emphasis and investment in this area and so much opportunity uh, that you know, we're seeing these challenges being knocked down one at a time. So I'm very excited for how this is gonna evolve in the next few years. And what markets will be driving chiplet design, do you think? Well, it's absolutely being primarily driven by the exponential increase in data, the surge in demand for high-performance computing due to the needs of generative AI. Uh, these things are really driving a lot of chiplet designs and applications uh, like in the data centers for computing, for networking, um, to support 5G, 6G, and uh, general high-performance computing for multi-physics simulations or um, drug discovery or, or climate modeling, you name it. Now, over time, as the ecosystem 
matures, we expect triplets to move into other applications as well, like automotive, IoT, consumer applications as well. But let's, uh, I wanna double click first on, on AI, because that's obviously the, the lead application we see right now in main market driver. Custom silicon solutions for AI is really an application that's tailor-made to benefit from chiplets. First of all, you can customize AI silicon systems to optimize for the lowest possible power in different workloads by using a chiplet-based design paradigm. This is an area where because of the tremendous demand and scale out of compute for AI, even, a, even if you can provide a modest reduction in power consumption for some task, that can translate into a significant benefit given the massive scale of AI compute. At the same time, obviously AI is evolving very, very quickly. So the fact that chiplets allow for new, revised, updated, tailored custom silicon solutions and allow them those uh, variants to be turned around quickly with low risk, that's a tremendous uh, asset. Also, AI compute, right, is, is very high performance uh, demands. And so therefore really benefits from being in the most advanced CMOS technology possible for that compute logic. Um, the more gates you can pack into a package, the better. So AI designs run into the reticle limit when you're trying to monolithically integrate all the compute and memory uh, into a single die. Um, and again, we've talked already about how chiplets can allow you to go beyond that reticle limit. That really as new CMOS technologies come online, a chiplet-based system will allow AI hardware to benefit from each new node quickly by just focusing on translating that compute tile into the next node. Meanwhile, the connectivity circuits can remain at a lower cost, older node that's already been validated. And finally, AI also requires very low latency access to large pools of memory. So AI hardware benefits significantly from having in-package memory stacks. Memory obviously requires a different process technology than the logic does. So right away, you're into a situation where you need heterogeneous integration, right? Of memory, compute, and, and then connectivity is just a natural extension there. Connectivity required for AI is increasingly a bottleneck, really important because these processors are so fast, they can process tremendous amounts of data. And the, but the connectivity for AI is largely over standardized interfaces. So all the IO needs of AI custom silicon can be addressed by these pre-validated standard compliant chiplet IP and, and designs. You got memory interfaces over HBM, DDR. You've got uh, storage via PCIe or CXL. Then you need ethernet to connect uh, out to other compute. Also, you really have a strong desire to exploit parallelism in AI, especially when you're talking about AI training and massive parallelism across many, many chips. That requires low latency IO. And then as we see these AI clusters scaling up more and more to more and more nodes, uh, the physical distances over which you have to communicate are, are increasing to the point where optical interfaces have become a key technology for these, these clusters. Optical transceivers, again, there they require different process technologies. For example, they can benefit from silicon photonics so integrating them 
monolithically is just not an option. So again, you're back into a situation where systems can benefit from heterogeneous integration that's offered by a chiplet design paradigm. So you know, again, when you know back to your original question, you're asking what's driving chiplet chiplet adoption. I think that the lead application here is is clear, and it's all about AI. AlphaWave focuses on connectivity. Um, why is connectivity critical for chiplets? Chiplet connectivity is central to the whole chiplet story in several ways. First of all, the whole promise of chiplets is that you can take these multiple dyes, co-package them, and interconnect them so seamlessly that they effectively operate like one big chip. Obviously, that's going to require very high speed, low power, and tiny, dense interfaces between them that basically introduce almost no latency between chiplets. So that's an area that's that's absolutely critical, these die-to-die -die interfaces. And we've already talked about how UCIE uh, is emerging to address that need. In-package memory is an obvious opportunity that uh, where chiplets can provide value. Uh, dense memory can be realized in a different technology than the compute tiles. So having in-package memory interfaces uh, is another key technology, things like HBM. When it comes to connectivity that's going outside the package, Again, those interfaces, they're usually standardized, PCIe, CXL, Ethernet. And, and there again, chiplets offer this benefit that you can have those standardized interfaces implemented in an older technology node than the compute uh, in order to save some overall system cost, reduce the time to market and reduce the risk. So again, another opportunity to benefit from heterogeneous integration using an IO chiplet tile that's uh, interface to the compute dies via low latency die to die interface like the UCIE, uh, and then look after all the outside of package connectivity needs. And just wanna emphasize again for AI in particular, connectivity is a major bottleneck. The processors are very fast and these tasks, these workloads are shared across massive racks of compute that need to be interconnected with high bandwidth and low latency. So. So connectivity, again, is, is just central to the whole uh, chiplet story. Do you expect UCIE to be the dominant chiplet interface? Yeah, we do. Uh, interest in UCIE has really blossomed in the last year, and we don't see it slowing down at all. UCIE has now incorporated a lot of the features that are needed for its main use cases. It offers a combination of bandwidth density and power efficiency that's required by all the major applications we see for chiplets today. And there's a roadmap there and a, a wide community contributing to that roadmap for UCIE uh, that, that's paving the way to further improved performance metrics for tomorrow's applications. There's absolutely still work to be done there. There remain challenges that are not easy to solve. For example, it's not clear what's gonna be the best way to verify interoperability of UCI interfaces, um, to be confident that those UCI interfaces between chiplets will talk to each other before you tape out a design. And how do you verify that it's working when you have test chips or you have silicon back? To what extent is it gonna be acceptable to sacrifice performance in some important use case 
so that that same standard can support all the different use cases that might arise. That's going to be a challenge that that the industry as a whole will have to grapple with. You know, do we really tailor standards to the most common use cases, or do we try to make it sort of one size fits all Swiss Army knife and then suffer a little in terms of the main use cases? So, but the good news is there's a a, a robust forum of industry players for discussing and improving the standard over time and alpha waves very active there because we see it as just essential to democratization of this technology so as the standard matures and more designs are proven out with ucie it just steamrolls right it just snowballs i should say it increasingly becomes an obvious choice and at some point actually it just becomes risky to use anything else other than this um a, you know, well-adopted, well-accepted standard, unless it's absolutely necessary for some particular application. And how is AlphaWave contributing to the emerging chiplet ecosystem? So AlphaWave has been for some time a leader in connectivity and compute chiplet technology. We viewed it as a strategic area a long time ago and have made all the investments we think we need to position ourselves for uh, growth in this area that we, that we see. We've been developing custom chiplet solutions for customers for quite some time. And we have all the key connectivity IP that's needed for chiplets that we've been talking about available in a variety of technologies, which is important because if people are going to chiplets, they're looking at using a combination of different technologies. So we've got all these building blocks and uh, that can be combined and configured for custom chiplet solutions. And we also have a roadmap for internal chiplet technology development that we've aligned with the market demands that we see coming in. So we're investing heavily along this roadmap, developing more IP and more chiplet designs. And we think having players like us um, have all this technology ready is really gonna, again, what enable more people to start taking advantage of it and using it in new and creative ways to deliver value. In particular, we've also got advanced package design expertise because for the time being, chiplets are not the kind of technology that can just be shipped to a customer with a data sheet. It requires us to work closely with customers on their system design, how they're going to use the chiplets in order to ensure success. And having that package design expertise is a key uh, enabler there. So, Tony, final question. Uh, do you expect there will be a time when design is simply a matter of picking out chiplets from a catalog? I mean, how long is this going to take? Certainly, there will come a time when chiplets can be mixed and matched seamlessly, but it's going to take time for the industry to get there. So we're, we're talking about years, but I don't believe we're talking about decades. Some people, there are people out there that think this picture of mixing and matching chiplets is complete science fiction, that chiplet design is always going to be a custom exercise. But I think it's useful to think of by analogy the example of semiconductor IP licensing it's something I've been involved with uh, in the industry for a long time and I can say that initially it was messy uh, it seemed impossible that you could take a piece of IP take a design from one company incorporate it into your design alongside work that was done by maybe another company and some custom work that you did that just seemed an intractable problem but over time the industry arrived at a set of norms and deliverables, design flows, and other practices to get us to the point where now today, practically every complex chip out there incorporates some licensed IP. 
So absolutely, currently there are gaps and challenges when it comes to being able to mix and match chiplets from different providers uh, in order to be able to develop a package substrate to house all these chiplets, assemble the whole thing and be assured that you're gonna get reliable performance at the end of the day. But I view all these as challenges, uh, but nothing fundamental there that's gonna prevent us from ultimately realizing that vision. Any thoughts on how long it's gonna take? I, th I think I'll stick by my, uh, my estimate that we're talking years, but not decades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great conversation, Tony. Uh, I look forward to meeting you at the Chiplet Summit next week. And uh, thanks again for uh, your time today. Yeah, same here. It was great. M much appreciated. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.